Let me ask you all a question, okay? If you could go back in time and you could spend 30 minutes with anyone, any human being, who would it be? What's that? That'd not be a bad one, Jesus. Oh, come on. We need energy drinks up here or something. We got one Jesus. Anybody else? You can say somebody besides Jesus. We won't judge you. Your mother? I would have to say my mother. Okay. Well, I got good news and bad news. We're going to time travel today. But we're not going to go visit anybody's mom. We're not going to go visit Jesus. We're going to go visit somebody else. So I have some Kool-Aid I need everyone to drink. I'm kidding. There's... We're going to time travel today, and I'll tell you why. This is the last week we're going to be in the life of Elijah for a while. And I was looking at this text. You'll notice we're in 2 Kings. Last week we were in 1 Kings. This is a pastoral trick. See, I'm going to assume most of you don't know off the top of your heads what happens in 1 Kings 19 to 2 Kings 2, so I'm skipping difficult texts. You just assume I know what I'm doing and don't ask any questions. Good deal? Not really. That's not what happened. After we left Elijah last week, remember we had, we had the wreck? We had the recovery? We talked about how... God gave Elijah, Elisha. Well, what happens is, after that, we see Ahab go really, really bad, end up really, really dead. We see Ahab's son uh, turned out not so great. We'll see him in a second. We had the issue at Naboth's vineyard. Uh, we see Elisha at work. And I'm not at all implying that you should skip over these. In fact, I encourage you to read these chapters this week. But what I'm doing is I'm trying to focus on Elijah. And that brings us to 2 Kings 2. Yes, you would see Elijah in, in 2 Kings 1 as he denounces Ahaziah, who's Ahab's son. But today we're going to talk about uh, Elijah, who was actually, believe it or not, the first person to fly. The license plates from Ohio should change. It was not Orville and Wilbur. North Carolina is not the birthplace of aviation. It was here with Elijah who flew on a uh, whirlwind up into the sky. Let me read to you the text and explain why we're going to time travel and, and see what God does with it. This could, this could be a big wreck. This was my idea. Or it might turn out okay if there was a little bit of God in it. So pray for me, bear with me, let's see what we, what we get out of this, alright? I'm in 2 Kings chapter 2 and, and it reads, Now when the Lord was about to take Elijah up to heaven by a whirlwind, Elijah and Elijah were on their way from Gilgal. And Elijah said to Elisha, Please stay here, for the Lord has sent me as far as Bethel. But Elisha said, As the Lord lives, and as you yourself live, I will not leave you. So they went down to Bethel. And the sons of the prophets who were in Bethel came out to Elisha and said to him, Do you know that today the Lord will take away your master from over you? And he said, Yes, I know. Keep quiet. Elijah said to him, Elisha, Please stay here, for the Lord has sent me to Jericho. But he said, As the Lord lives, and as you yourself live, I will not leave you. So they came to Jericho. The sons of the prophets who were at Jericho drew near to Elisha and said to him, Do you not know that today the Lord will take away your master from over you? And he answered, Yes, I know. Keep quiet. 
Then Elijah said to him, Please stay here, for the Lord has sent me to the Jordan. But he said, As the Lord lives, and as you yourself live, I will not leave you. So the two of them went on. Fifty men of the sons of the prophets also went and stood at some distance from them, as they both were standing by the Jordan. Then Elijah took his cloak, rolled it up, and struck the water. And the water was parted to the one side and to the other, till the two of them could go over on dry ground. When they had crossed, Elijah said to Elisha, Ask what I shall do for you before I am taken from you. And Elisha said, Please, let there be a double portion of your spirit on me. And he said, You've asked a hard thing. Yet if you see me as I am being taken from you, it shall be so for you. But if you do not see me, it shall not be so. And as they still went on and talked, behold, chariots of fire and horses of fire separated the two of them. And Elijah went up by a whirlwind into heaven. And Elisha saw the chariot, and he cried, My father, my father, the chariots of Israel and its horsemen. And he saw him no more. Then he took hold of his own clothes and tore them in two pieces, and he took up the cloak of Elijah that had fallen from him and went back and stood at the bank of the Jordan. Then he took the cloak of Elijah that had fallen from him and struck the water, saying, Where is the Lord, the God of Elijah? And when he had struck the water, the water was parted, to the one side and to the other, and Elijah went over. Elisha went over. All right. So it's Monday. I'm sitting at my desk. Uh, what am I doing with this one? I mean, everybody knows the story. Elijah, chariots of fire, chariot, you know, horses on fire. What do you do? How do you preach this? It's got to be easy, right? It's a, it's a story. It's got pictures in my kid's Bible. It's an easy one to preach because there are pictures and and then it's Tuesday, and I'm really starting to get frustrated because I can't get anything out of this. And then it's Wednesday, and if you come to my house Wednesday evening, the kids go to bed, and it goes something like this. Laura, I'm up the creek. I'm going to have nothing this Sunday. What do I got to do? I don't know, no, no, no. She just smiles at me. One day she's going to smack me in my head and set me straight. But And then Thursday came, and it's been a long week. And I'm just like, all right, seriously, God, fine. I'm slow to learn. We do this every week. What am I doing with this? And then out of nowhere, this idea comes to my head. This is where the time travel comes in. You ready for this? We're going to leave here in our minds. Bear with me. I was going to actually try to get a robe and a beard. It didn't work. So I even shaved. I could have skipped shaving. That would have worked. We're going to go back in time. We're going to leave the, the clothes we put on today and the shoes we wear for the tunics and the sandals of the time, and, and we're going to spin back like in all those crazy movies of time travel, and we're going to find ourselves in the city of Jericho many thousands of years ago. And now because you're, you're playing along with me here, you look, you look up front and, and all of a sudden I look different. I look like an older guy with a beard and a hairy robe who looks kind of familiar, Got another guy standing over here, same garb, a little bit younger. And you think, that might be Elisha. And he sits down, and I get up. I'm going to be Elijah today. We've time traveled. Welcome, welcome to Jericho. Before I take this full bore and really freak you out, let me explain why, why we're in Jericho. Elijah is going to die. He's not going to die. Elijah is going to go up to God's presence today. That's what we just read. And everybody somehow knows. You notice that everybody knows this. We don't know how they know it. We know they know it. Elijah knew it. Elijah knew it. These 50 that we see at the end know it. And he's going to go from where he is 
to the Jordan to be taken up into God's presence. But if you look at a map, he went to a place called Gilgal, a place called Bethel, a place called Jericho. He's not necessarily taking a straight route to where he's going. Isn't that just so like God? The, the, the way we travel the map of life doesn't make sense the way we do it, but from God's perspective, it works out perfectly. Now, you guys probably never experienced that because your lives all make perfect sense what God's up to, but, but people like me sometimes, you end up all over the place, makes no sense, it's going to go really bad, you're about to wreck, and then it makes perfect sense down the road as you look back, right? Trust me, you've, you've probably never experienced that. Well, there's something unique about Gilgal and Bethel and Jericho. These are cities where, where schools of prophets were set up. This is, uh, these are schools that were almost certainly established by Elijah and Elisha, where, uh, not where they trained prophets. You didn't show up and say, I would like to be a prophet. And they taught you how to hear from God. And tell. These were basically the seminaries of the day. Prophets were made. God made a prophet. It wasn't, you know, I would like to be a prophet. And God spoke to you. Until. This is where basically the, the pastors, the rabbis of the day were trained. And these people came, and they would be taught how to exegete and teach God's word, and Elijah, and Elijah would help teach them. And what we have here is a farewell tour. God is sending Elijah on the day he's going to be taken up to heaven on a farewell tour to Gilgal, to Bethel, to Jericho. But there's something else unique that I found here that I want to share with you. So if you're ready, you're wearing the tunics, you got the sandals, and I am Elijah. Okay, Elijah. I'm not going to go with, because if I go with an accent, it's going Scottish. And that doesn't work. But, welcome, welcome everyone. It's so good to be here today in Jericho. As you know, as I know, this is it. This is the last lecture. It's the last time I will see you face to face on this side of eternity, and you as well for me. And I'm allowed to preach with notes today because I'm lecturing. It's good to be here in Jericho. I came here today to share with you some things, to share with you a lecture that God prepared in me and through me, I believe in part, for you. You all have heard my story. You, you heard of Elijah, the Tishbite of Tishbe, who God called to go to Ahab and say, By my word there shall neither be rain nor dew for all these years until I pray. And it was three and a half years and it didn't rain. You know the story of my trip to the brook Kerith, Breakdown Brook, where God fed me by raven. And the brook dried up and God sent me to Zarephath, to the widow, who had not enough flour or oil. But by God's grace we ate every day with just enough. You know the story of the boy who died, the widow's son, and how he came back to life as I prayed and God used me in that wonderful process. And we had a time of, of relaxing. A time when we were fed through the drought. A time to, to dine with a dead son who was now alive. And you know the story of when I was called back to the lion's den to go back to Ahab. To let him know it would rain. And we went up Carmel and God sent fire from the sky as the prophets of Baal fell to their demise. You know these stories. And, and I come today as a man who's gone through these events to be broken down and built up and refined by the Lord Almighty. But I want to tell you not about my journeys of the distant past, but my journey of today. You see, it's good to be in Jericho, but I started this day in Gilgal. You all know Gilgal. We have a school there. You have friends. You have family near. It's not far away. You've been to Gilgal, no? Nod your heads. It helps me out. Thank you. But I'm not here to talk about the school. I'm here to talk about the ancient city. You all remember Gilgal. You're Bible students at my seminary. Joshua 4 comes to mind like that. 
Remember our forefathers crossed over from the wilderness through the Jordan. God parted the flood stage waters. They came over on dry ground. Joshua set up the 12 stones as a memorial. And where did they camp? Say Gilgal. You're learning well, my friends. Gilgal is where they camped. Gilgal, a place of beginnings. Today I visited Gilgal under the sovereignty of God. I greeted the students. I spoke to the students, but God spoke to me. And I have something to share with you. I believe God took me to Gilgal to remind me of of my beginning. When he called me from Tishbe to be his mouthpiece. When he revealed himself to me. And revealed myself to me as well. When I understood who I was, who he was, and how I needed his grace, love, mercy, and forgiveness. And as I went through Gilgal, I was reminded of where it began. Through the work of God in my life. Through his grace, love, and mercy of drawing me to him. Revealing myself. Revealing himself. And forgiving me. And as I went through Gilgal, I understood the importance of remembering where I came from who I was and who I now am. And I share with you today the need for you to remember your Gilgals. We all have a Gilgal as Christians. You're saying Gil- We all have a, a time when, when we began anew. A time when we were born anew. As you guys will read many years later when a man named John writes a gospel. I know that makes no sense, but bear with me. We had a time when God opened our eyes to the truth. When we came to faith. When we enter a relationship. And as we live well on this side of eternity, it is imperative that we remember our Gilgals. Our beginnings. Who we were. Who we are. And how we got there. So I left Gilgal. Tears in my eyes slightly. of Some of sadness, some of joy, knowing I wouldn't see these people again. But rejoicing in the fact that in my life I had a Gilgal. That I remembered my Gilgal in my times of success and living for God's glory. But there were also times when I forgot my Gilgal. And I encourage you all to take time to remember the Gilgal, the beginning of your walk with God. I left Gilgal and God brought me to Bethel. You know Bethel, don't you? Not your heads. Abram, Genesis 12. God tells him to go from your country to the land that I will show you. And he told him he would make of him a great nation. He went, not knowing with certainty what would happen, but knowing with certainty who sent him. And we see in Genesis 12, Abram comes to Bethel, house of God, a place where he communed with and worshipped God. I thought of my Bethels. I thought of the times when... When I would get together with God and commune with Him and worship Him and the importance of having the Bethels in my life, I did not have to do it at the physical city, but I did it in intimacy with God Himself. We need to have our place where we commune with God regularly to be reminded of who we are. I happen to know a time in the future when we won't have to go to meet with God like Moses did in the tent. Or the Israelites will in the temple. But when God promises to dwell in us, in the Holy Spirit, and our bodies will become Bethel, house of God, to be used for His glory, the temple of God. And to commune with God is something that people will have at all times. Because God will dwell with them. Folks, I'm not here to to tell you how I live perfectly. 
I'm here to tell you that I have a Gilgal and you have a Gilgal and we have to remember the Gilgal. I'm here to tell you that I've been to Bethel and you must go to Bethel as Abraham went to Bethel because we must commune with God. The relationship begins, the relationship grows at Bethel. Don't neglect your Bethel. Don't neglect to develop a place where you meet with God regularly in prayer and in His Word and develop fellowship with Him because it is at Bethel that the relationship grows in breadth and depth through the grace of God. You see, there was a time in my life when I forgot my Gilgal, when I neglected my Bethel, and you know the story, don't you? Scary Jezebel said she was going to kill me, and I ran, and I ran, and I ran, and God found me in the cave, covered in foam and tears and sadness. But He restored me. And I remembered that. And I went to my Bethel and experienced a lesser Gilgal, And I left the students at Bethel. And I had another stop. And that brought me here today, to Jericho. It's great to be in Jericho. But when I think of Jericho, I'm not just thinking of you, I'm thinking of Joshua again. You know the story. They crossed the Jordan, our forefathers. They entered a a wilderness into a land that would be theirs which was not yet theirs because enemies lived there they were going into battle Jericho, the place of battle with a victory they could not achieve on their own but they could not fail to achieve through God remember our forefathers as as these untrained men and women and children sat in, in the camp at Gilgal and the men were going to be called out to fight Not with weapons of of war, but with horns and marching boots. And they went, and they trusted. And they marched that city at that place of battle, and they shouted, and down came the walls. Victory was certain, but yet impossible apart from God. Folks, that's the story of my life. It's the story of your life. The question is, do we recognize it? At Gilgal, the relationship began with God. At Bethel, the relationship grew in breadth and depth. And as we go through life, we run into our Jerichos, and I have had many Jerichos. I had a Jericho when God called me out of Tishbe. I didn't want to go in the flesh, but God gave me victory over the fear and the doubt, and I went. I had a Jericho with Ahab. It was scary walking into that angry, wicked, Baal-worshipping king. But I went. I had Jerichos at Kerith and Zarephath, and when the boy died, the widow's son, and, and I didn't win all my Jerichos in the first attempt. Remember, I came after Jericho. They went back the right way after. We all have our Jerichos. Maybe they're circumstances. Maybe they reside a little deeper in the heart with fear and doubt and uncertainty and wanting to trust in ourself or seek our own glory over God's glory. But folks, I'm here today to tell you this. As we sit in Jericho, it's not just a place where there's a school. It's a reminder of the great and powerful God who gives us victory in the battle if we fight it His way, through His strength and His power and His timing. Victory is certain if we fight in God's way. Failure is certain if we try it any other. Folks, Gilgal, remember it well. When you think of 
of your friends at the school at Gilgal. Don't just think of, of a present day location. Think of a time in the past when our forefathers crossed and camped and began. Bethel. Cultivate, develop, protect your Bethel. Commune with God regularly. Remember who you are, who you were, and how that happened. Remember who He is and how He never changes. Think about what He has done, can do, and will do in your life. And remember Jericho. Remember the place of battle where God gave victory. Now folks, I'm leaving today. I'm going to see God. I somehow am not going to pass through death, but go around it like our forefather Enoch. Elijah and I are heading out. Elijah and I are heading out, and you can walk with us. Out he goes. Now, the text tells us that 50 people followed him. So we follow along in those 50. And as we walk towards the Jordan from a distance, picture Elijah and Elisha in front of us. We can't hear them. We can see them, and they're talking. And they get to the Jordan, and Elijah takes off his mantle. And do you see it? The water actually parts. Actually does it. And they cross over on dry ground. The water closes up, and we're still behind them. We don't get to cross the Jordan here, but but up in the sky, something's coming freaky. It looks almost like slow-moving lightning. It's fire coming down, but it's not a flash. It's sustained, and... And it's getting closer, and it's getting bigger, and you want to scream, look out, but you can't get words out of your mouth, and it's a chariot of fire and horses of fire, and it's one of those moments when you say, uh, it can't be real, but it is absolutely real. And it goes between these two mighty men of God, and it separates them, and up, up, up goes Elijah. And we stand there with the other 50, and we got the drool coming off our mouth, and we have no words to say, and we're just wondering, which means, did that really just happen? And Elisha comes back, and he whacks the water, and the water parts, and again, the man has taken upon the mantle of Elijah. This is the new prophet of God. And then we show back up at 535 James Hans Court. Folks, God gave us the life of Elijah for many reasons. One that struck me is to see not a man who was super powerful and did some really cool stuff. It was to see a messed up, ordinary, screwed up guy who was weak as all get out, who God graciously and lovingly called out of Tishbe to be used mightily for God's glory. He was a man with a nature just like ours. You know what that means? Messed up, screwed up, dirty, rotten, good for nothing on his own sinner. But God did some awesome stuff with him. But he had to go through a process of being broken down at the brook, right? I think we'd all like to go up into God's presence, circumnavigating death, without ever having to go to Kareth. We See, we don't want to be broken down because being broken down hurts, doesn't it? But sometimes we need to be broken down. In fact, we all need to be broken down. Elijah had to be humbled. We all had to be humbled. And then he took him to Zarephath. You see, let a widow provide for you. Put that in cultural context. That's like sending, sending Bill Gates to, to a homeless family in, in uh, a third world country so they can take care of him. That's a ridiculously inadequate analogy, but 
It just don't work. It's not how it's supposed to go. But the humility of Karif carried on so that it could be refined in crucible city, Zarephath. And we don't want to have to go to Zarephath and be refined, do we? Pruning is uncomfortable in our lives. God, could we just skip it? No. Because God wants to make us into the people with a character that is pleasing to Him to be used for His glory. And then we, we want to have our Carmel moments without having to go through the hard work. And we assume we're never going to run to Horeb, but we will on our own. You see, God took a messed up ordinary guy, broke him down, built him up, used him powerfully. When he failed, he forgave him and restored him. And today, God drew him into his presence going around death. Now, you do realize, the Bible tells us that Jesus could come back before we die. If Jesus comes back before we die, you'll have a moment that goes something like this. Uh, There would be this thing up in the sky, looked a little weird, got bigger and bigger, and you go, uh, and then you, as a Christian, would have your name added with Elijah and Enoch as the people who went into God's presence without having to pass through death. I'm game. Because death is not something I look forward to passing through. I've shared with you all that my dream is 92 on vacation, in my sleep, massive heart attack. That's the way to go through death. It doesn't always happen that way. But we need to remember what's on the other side of death, don't we? We need to realize that eternity awaits us because God gave us a Gilgal. That we were born anew to live an eternal relationship with God in perfection. And this mess on this side of preparation pales in comparison with the glory that we get to experience on the other. That's what we're living for. Elijah was living for that trip up, just like we should be too. In our lives, we're going to have many Jerichos. We're going to have battles to fight. This is not a playground we live in, waiting for Jesus to come back or, or us to die. Though, though at times we might treat it like that and then wonder, how did that happen? We live in, just like the Israelites, they left the wilderness to go into the promised land, but the promised land was enemy territory. You know that. They had some battles. Jericho wasn't the end of it. The Amalekites, the Hizites, the Hivites, just say ites at the end of every word. They all live there. The Hebedites, the Medivites, It's a Hebrew pronunciation. They had to fight the battles, and every time they fought on their own, they lost. And every time they fought for God's glory and God's way, they won. And that's what we're living in now, folks. We had our Gilgal. We crossed not the Jordan, but the Gap. They couldn't cross the Jordan, right? Flood stage waters. You can't bring a million plus across flood stage waters. But what did God do? Miraculously stop the waters people say, oh, you know, you can't do that. God didn't really stop. Please quit it. God can do whatever he wants. You want to doubt? Doubt away. It happened. How do I know it happened? Lots of reasons. One of them is because I didn't cross the Jordan. I crossed the chasm of sin. I was, a, I was dead in sin and now I'm alive in Christ. The old is gone. The new has come because God through the blood of Christ bridged that gap at Gilgal for all of us, didn't he? And we commune with God at our Bethel's. The Holy Spirit dwells within us. I mean, we can't wrap our minds around that, can we? God himself dwells within us. Moses went up on that same mountain Elijah cowered in to commune with God. God came down to dwell with us. 
Bible tells us that, that God spoke to Moses as a friend. Jesus calls us friends, doesn't he? It is incomprehensible to grasp fully the fact that God, who spoke everything into existence, dwells in us. And that gives us some raw, crazy-like power. For his glory, though, not for ours. Because as we go through life, we have Jerichos, day in and day out, of fear and doubt and distrust and desire to glorify ourselves and wanting to live like the world and not for God because the flesh is just strong and God says, fight the battle my way. You can try it your way if you like and you may think you got a good shot at the battle. It may, it may even look good for a moment, but you will fail miserably and I love you so much I don't want you to fail. Remember Jericho. And we'll fail. Time and time again, we'll fail. And what does God do? Spit us out and say, enough? Seriously? How ignorant are you? This is your 53rd war. No. He picks us up. He dusts us off. And he walks alongside us through the mess we create for his glory to use it for the good of us because we love him. And as we go through life, we need to realize we live in the Jerichos in preparation for eternity. Victory is certain if we fight it God's way. Failure is certain if we do it ours. Well, how do we know what God tells us to do? Go to Bethel. Commune with Him through His Word, through prayer, through fellowship with one another. And then go out the door into Jericho. There was a lady who was saved at Jericho. You remember her? Tied that scarlet cord from her window. Maybe God uses us as we go and fight our battles to to save some out there with scarlet cords tied in their windows. But they're the people he will give the Gilgal to. He will draw to himself potentially through us. Our job is to remember Gilgal, to remember Bethel, and to remember we live in Jericho because one day we're going to go see Elijah. And you're going to say, oh, dude, remember when Pastor John did that freaky time travel sermon about Elijah? That was creepy, a little bit good, but a little bit creepy at the same time. And Elijah chuckles. He's like, oh, I heard about that one. Let me tell you the real last lecture from when I went to the schools at Gilgal and Bethel and Jericho. And we'll all sit down in front of the real deal, Elijah. And he'll probably have a Scottish accent. And I'll be kicking myself. I could have got Scottish accent. And he'll tell us the story. And as he tells the entire story, not one iota or ounce of our mind will be focused on him, but rather on God. Because he did it all for God's glory. And then Elijah's going to sit down. And you know what he's going to say? He's going to say, hey Patty, hey Kelly, hey Renee, hey every one of us. Can you get up and tell your story? Because at that point we realized fully it was never about us. It was always about God. And for some strange reason God invited us to work alongside him for his glory through his strength and his power. And I believe that... If we experience that moment of sharing our stories in the fellowship of the great men and women of the faith, that perhaps we would see someone else sitting amongst us in that room, if there are such rooms in heaven. And he would look freakishly familiar like we've known him from the day we were born. And we'd realize, wait a minute, we knew him because he made us. And the smile cracks across his mouth. Because one day we are going to sit in the very presence of Jesus Christ. 
And we're going to remember the Gilgal that he gave us through the wounds that we see on his hands and feet, through the blood that was shed for us, and we will have no words to say. And we will realize that Bethel isn't just a city in the past or a heart in us. It is where we dwell forever in perfect fellowship with God himself. Heaven is just a.k.a. Bethel on crack. And there are no more Jerichos. One day there are no more Jerichos because all the battles have been finished and victory is complete and the new heavens and the new earth are restored and we live in perfection with God. We see it right now through hazy eyes. But one day we're going to see Jesus just like Elijah sees him right now, face to face in perfection. And all the struggles we have on this side, all the mess we wallow through, all the mistakes we've made, all the Jerichos we've succeeded at and failed, We'll see them for what they were, a time of preparation for where we were heading, and they'll make perfect sense. So as we leave here today, as we leave Elijah for a time being, realize this is not the end of Elijah's story. This was just the beginning, no? He was taken up into God's presence. That's when the story really got started. We just read the introduction. Folks, how many times have I talked about how we live in the middle of the book? We don't know how many chapters God gives us. We get to read other people's lives in completion through Scripture. We live in the middle of the book. Well, it ain't actually the middle. It's the very, very, very early pages, probably paragraph one of page one of a book with an infinite infinite number of pages in front of us. God is sending us at times to Kareth to humble us, to break us down, so that he can build us back up, so we can go to the Zarephath and be refined, so that we can go out and live for his glory, so one day we can be with Jesus face to face and hear the words, Well done, my good and faithful servant. Then look left and see Elijah, and look right and see Paul and Moses, and realize it's not that these people were awesome and great and powerful. These were people who God chose, not because of what they had to offer, but because of his grace, love, and mercy he gave them a Gilgal. And you will be floored by the fact that he gave you a Gilgal. And you will not be able to fully praise him and worship him and thank him enough. And here's my hope. That starting this very day, for all of us, myself primarily, let me say even, that we would understand the awesome, wonderful, incomprehensible love of God that he actually gave us a Gilgal. Why would God choose someone like me to serve him, to live in relationship with him forever? Why would he choose someone like you? And at Bethel, as we think about that, we go into our Jerichos. And remember that when we leave here today, as you go about your day, always be vigilant, folks. We we live in a land of, of the fallen. We bump into Jerichos every day. But the good news is victory is certain if we do it God's way. There's no need to end up in a wreck in a mountain cave like Elijah. We don't have to. But if we do, remember who comes and gets us who forgives us, and who restores us. That's what I got from the life of Elijah. I hope, I hope maybe God used me in some way to, uh, to speak some truth to you through the life of Elijah. This is the beginning of the story. In light of eternity. We're living in the early stages of our story too, folks. But as we look back at Elijah, remember those three cities. Gilgal, Bethel, Jericho. Because we're all going to go to them. And then we'll get to go across the Jordan one day 
and meet Jesus face to face. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you for uh, Elijah. I thank you for allowing us to have an intimate glimpse of his life through your word. I thank you for the fact that you show us the real man. Not just a superficial view of mighty accomplishments, but the fallen, messed up, fleshly guy, just like us, who you built into a mighty man of God, who you use powerfully. God, help us not believe the lie that things like this don't happen anymore. We know that you don't change, that you can't change, that you are the same God Elijah worshipped and served, and that you still do mighty works and messed up people. God, I pray you would use us in such a way that you would refine us and build us up into mighty men and women of God who would seek to live fully for your glory, who would not necessarily go to the top of Mount Carmel and call fire down, but who the world would see a light shine through, and you might draw some to yourself through us. God, I pray we would never find success in what we see ourselves accomplishing, but we would always define success by pursuing you and having a heart pleasing to you and living for your glory. God, I pray you would be gentle but deliberate with each and every one of us, that you would help us abide more and more fully in Christ, that you would help us see you for who you really are, and love you in light of the fact of a, a comprehension of how much you love us. So we can go out into the world and not just share words with people, but live out the love of Christ in their midst so that they might see it and just be floored. God, we thank you for Gilgal. We thank you for Bethel. We thank you for Jericho, and we thank you for the fact that one day we will not have to cross the Jordan to go into your presence, but perhaps you might come before we die. But if we do die, God, I pray that you would help us approach that day and go through that day with the perspective that you would desire for us to have. That you are with us. That you allow it. That while it may be scary, it need not be because we know who is in control of everything and we know who has conquered death. You see, God, we as your children know that we are people who don't die. We just go on living better. And we thank you, God, for the fact that we don't need to fear that day that will come if Jesus doesn't come first, but we can view it as a celebration, as Elijah did, because on that day we enter into your presence in perfection, and all this mess behind us begins to make a whole lot more sense. And to try to comprehend living with no sin, with no fear, with no doubt, with no worries, is just beyond our ability right now, but we rejoice in the fact that that is your promise to us. Thank you again, God, not just for calling Elijah, but for calling us. And I pray you would use us to call many to you as they know of your grace, love, mercy, and forgiveness through the blood of Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen. We're going to do one more bit of time travel today. We're going to go over to that table. We're going to travel not so many years as we did to Elijah, so you won't have the jet lag that you had from that sermon going to travel to the time of Christ, and we're going to reflect upon what Christ did on the cross. We're going to spend some time thinking about that our Gilgal is a free gift that was bought at great price through the 
blood and body of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. As we come forward today as a church family, let's take some time as we listen to the music to just reflect on the fact that God often calls us on that same journey he sent Elijah on. But our journey is different than Elijah's. He looked forward to Christ. We live in light of the work of Christ. We live in an intimacy with God beyond what Elijah could comprehend at the time he walked on this earth. And I pray that as we partake today in communion, that God would give us a a deeper glimpse of what that relationship of abiding can, should, and will look like on this side as we look forward to what it might be like in eternity. So if you love Jesus Christ, if you've accepted him as your Lord and Savior, doesn't have to be 20 years ago, it could be two seconds ago. Come on up. Let's take a trip in our minds again through Gilgal and Bethel and Jericho. I invite you forward. <laughs>